This morning we're going to be talking about the power of redemption. And really as Daniel was talking about and talking about sharing the testimony, that is what all of that is about. When you think about redemption, um, you can you think about just a coupon, okay? You take a coupon in and you redeem it. You exchange it for something. Well, Jesus exchanged his life so that we could have life, and that's the salvation that we talk about. But this morning I want to tell you that it goes deeper than that. The enemy has schemes against you. And those schemes involve other people, and they also involve tempting you. And in the midst of those schemes, uh, his end goal is to not just destroy you. I want you to hear that. It's not just to destroy you. It is to destroy everyone connected with you. You see, whether you like it or not, you have a testimony. Your life is a testimony. Whether you verbalize it or not, your life is a testimony. And it is either going to be a testimony for the power of darkness or for the power of truth. And it's a matter of whether or not you choose to trust in the Lord and turn yourself over to the Lord. If you do not, you will not be able to resist the enemy. He will use your life as uh, an avenue or a testimony of darkness for others. And so I'm praying this morning that if you've never chosen Jesus, that you will choose Jesus. And if you have chosen Jesus, I'm praying you're going to choose Him again today. And you're going to keep walking forward. Because if you can hear my voice, your path is not done. Uh, the Lord is still working. But you also need to know this. Right now, there is a scheme against you and it's already in play. It's already in play. And you've already probably given in to parts of it. And there are other people around you that have given in to parts of it. But if you trust in Jesus, you do not have to fear that. Because the amazing power of redemption is this. In the Old Testament, uh, Joseph, for those of you who know Joseph, he told his brothers what you intended for evil, God is using for good. And I want you to know this, that there are people around you that intend evil for you. It's reality. It's, it's a hard reality, but it's reality. But I want you to know this. God wants to take it and He wants to turn it into something really good. You know, when we talk about sharing our testimony, one of the things that we see God often does, and, and Daniel mentioned this, you know, it's not a sin competition, and that's very true. But I want you to hear this part. Oftentimes, the things that we fail at, the, the places where we fail the worst, that's where God wants to make a turning. He wants to do an act of redemption. And what He actually wants to, to do in you is to take you and use that very place where you failed the most. Where, where you are just so aware of the failure, and He wants to take that, and He wants to use it for His good. He wants to, to do a ministry in you to others. Uh, part of the reason is, is because you understand. When you speak to someone who's struggling with something, you are able to understand. You know, I can throw biblical principles at you all day, and they might be true. 
But you can usually tell if I've walked down the road that you're walking. You know, if you've lost a child, for instance, I've I've never done that. That's never happened to me. I, I can't imagine. And there's really just not much I can say to you. But for the person who's walked it, they've walked it, and they felt the darkness on them, and they chose the light, that's the one you want to talk to, right? Because oftentimes it's not a matter of us knowing right and wrong. We know what the right is. How do I choose it? How how do I get through this? Well, I want to talk to someone who's been there. The power of redemption. God wants to use the the, the schemes of the enemy, okay, in your life for his good. I mean, even when you think about the story of Jesus himself, Satan thought he had won. He thought he was winning by killing Jesus. You know what? It was all part of God's plan. God allowed it to happen. Why? Because he was going to use it to turn the world on its head and save those who would give themselves to him. I want to look at another story uh, that there's many of them in scripture. I want to look at another one this morning that's found in the book of Esther, but we're actually not going to focus on Esther. You know, for those of you who've read through it and know that story, we're going to focus on Mordecai. We're going to focus on the uncle. Um, He is very much a part of the story, and he is the one that really stirred the hornet's nest because he was faithful, because he pursued the Lord and wouldn't just go with the current of the world, guess what? They came after him. You know, and that's one of the really hard things about life is that when you, you know, we all do things we shouldn't, okay? Sometimes we receive consequences for it. But but hear this, even if you are honorable to a person who is not honorable to you, and even if you love them, even when they're not loving you, Does that mean they still won't try to just sabotage your life? No, they may very well do it. And that's where we've got to turn to the Lord. Uh, You know, our flesh might want to turn to vengeance. The world would say turn to vengeance, but that will destroy you. We've got to turn to the Lord. And when we do that, as we're going to see in the scripture this morning, God is able to turn things the other way. Esther chapter 3 is is where I want to go. And if you know a little bit about this story, um, the Jews were looking at being destroyed. Why were they looking at possibly being destroyed? Well, it was because of Mordecai. Because Mordecai did something And the enemy not only wanted to destroy Mordecai, but the enemy wanted to destroy everyone connected to Mordecai. Why? Because that's how evil works. Evil is not about tit for tat or, you know, you did this, you know, eye for an eye. That's not what evil is about. Evil is about, I'm not just taking you down, I'm going to take everyone connected with you. And you need to understand that. Not, there's a target on you, not just because the enemy hates you. The enemy hates everyone connected with you. And so the enemy wants to destroy you and to destroy your testimony. Why? Because it is going to ripple through your family. It is going to ripple through the community that you live in. It is going to ripple through the workplace where you work. 
the enemy wants to use it all. It's going to bring discouragement on those people and it's just going to keep going. This is what the enemy is after. And, and I say that not to discourage you, but actually to do the opposite. It is so important that you get back up and that you keep walking because it's not just about you. It's about everybody connected with you. Why are we going to write these testimonies down? Because your life impacts other people. And when you share the power of what God has done in you, it impacts people for the good. And the opposite is true as well. And that's why it's so crucial that we give ourselves over to the Lord. All right, so Esther chapter 3, uh, Mordecai finds himself... Uh, in a peculiar situation. So I want to read through it and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. So it says, Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agatite, Agagite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded. But Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Then the palace official at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why are you disobeying the king's command? They spoke to him day after day, but still... He refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct, since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided... It was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. So a little background. So the Jews, the people of God, they've been banished from their land. The Lord has allowed a foreign nation to come in and to destroy, and now they are exiled and they are living under the power of a king of another nation. So they're, they're not in control. They, they are the peasants, if you will. They are the outcasts. Uh, now, some of them have a little bit of freedom, but they are not looked upon in, in a good way. And if you can imagine, if you're in this place and God has exiled you and God's allowed you know, your family and you know, people that you know to be destroyed and your land to be destroyed, you're not going to be in a, in, a, in a great place. But in the midst of all that, Mordecai is faithful. Mordecai is faithful. Why is he not bowing down to this official? Because his worship is for God and God alone. That's what this is about. That's where his worship is going to go. Even though uh, God has punished him and God has punished his people, he's still remaining faithful. Now, you would expect out of that, you know, that, that he's remaining faithful after going through all of that, God would just, you know, roll out the red carpet for him. God would bless him. 
But instead, here's what happens. It puts a target on his back because he's saving his worship for the Lord. He's not going along with the rest of the culture that says, oh, it's okay, you know, you can have your beliefs, but you got to do this, because this is what everybody else is doing. And this is what the government is demanding that you do this. And so it's easy just to go along with that. But Mordecai says no. My worship is for God alone, and so he's unwilling to bow down, to give worship to this man. And so out of that, instead of God just protecting him, instead, there's a target put on him. And not only on him, but uh, everyone who's a part of his nation. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine how you would feel in that moment. Imagine uh, how you would feel that darkness is winning. You ever felt like that? You know what? If you look at where we're at and where we've come the last four years, I have never seen more falling away in my short lifetime than I have in the last four years. I am, I am astonished. I mean, I have seen people that I thought were rock solid and could not be moved, and they have fallen away. Now, many times, well, God is leading me, you know. It, it, the, the language of fall, nobody comes up and says, I'm falling away. Uh, well, God's leading me to, um, I don't know, just leave, but I, you know, I, I don't always... You know, I just got to leave. The falling away has been astounding. And it's not just here, okay? This is church after church after church. As I talk to other pastors and so on throughout our nation, this is, is happening. In these last four years, it's been astounding. And it can feel like darkness is reigning. But listen to me. God wants to turn this on its head. And God wants to do an amazing work. Because in the midst of that, here's what I've also seen. I've seen God stirring people up. And I, we're seeing revivals popping up, right? All of a sudden, people are saying, you know what? I'm tired of playing. Uh, whether it's playing the world or playing religion, I'm going after God. God wants to use it to stir it up. And here's what I want you to hear. God was actually using this to stir something up so that people would pursue Him in a way that they had not done. And that's what God is doing among us. So here's what happened in the story for those of you um, who've read it. So Mordecai, God had already put someone in a position to help rescue the entire entire nation. But this person uh, could have lost their life. The story of Esther, she went to the king. She could have lost her life for just approaching the king without being called. But she did it. But she didn't just barge in. She said, before I go, I want us all to pray. I want us all to fast. And then she didn't just barge in after that. But she went in slowly and she listened to the Lord and she moved cautiously. And in the midst of it, what happened? Because they turned to the Lord, they didn't back away from the Lord, they leaned in even more, God did a flip-flop. 
And not only did God um, save the Jewish people, and I don't have time to go through the entire book of Esther, but not only did God do that, one of the things I do want to share with you, though, is in the last chapter of Esther, chapter 10. And it's super short. There's like these three little verses. But I, I want you to hear about Mordecai. It says, King Xerxes imposed a tribute throughout his empire, even to the distant coastlands. His great achievements and the full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Media and Persia. Mordecai the Jew became the prime minister. He's in a nation that has enslaved them. This was a nation that conquered them. How does Mordecai become the prime minister? That's insane. Well, it happened because Haman came after them. Because the enemy in his scheming thought, I'm going to destroy them all. But what it actually did is it stirred something up and God used it to bring about a tremendous revival and He used it to bring about tremendous blessing on His people. But you need to hear this, it took them having faith and moving closer into God. He became the prime minister with authority next to that of King Xerxes himself. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, you can't dream this stuff up. This is crazy. But most of us, we, we, you know, we're not dreaming about stuff like this. You know what we're doing? Oh, God, please give me some relief. God, please give, just say, you know, just rescue me out of this little thing. And I'm doing it too. I get it. But I want you to hear this. We are so, so short-sighted. We're, we're, just, we're, we're looking a, a few days ahead. Listen, God wants to do something big. Like something big. But it means you trusting in Him. He wants to do something in your life, but it means you trusting in Him. And usually when that happens is when something really negative comes in and you just want to lay down and say, it's over. Because if you look at this story, that's what it looks like. It should have been over. There should have been no way. Because one of the things that the story brings out is that when the king makes a command, it's done. It, you, you can't turn it back around. It looked like there was no hope. But God made a way. God made a way. So what's God want to do? I don't know, but it's big. And God wants to turn things. Uh, and you don't need to figure that out, okay? Mordecai didn't need to figure out, oh, I think God wants to make me the prime minister. He doesn't need to, he doesn't need to figure that out. You know what he needs to figure out? He needs to figure out that in the midst of what I'm going through right now, instead of just rolling over and giving up, I'm going to move closer in because God has something big in store. I... I, I what I'm going through doesn't compare to what Mordecai was going through right there. But I got to tell you, I, 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 I'm in that place where I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. And I'm like, God, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can take uh, many more falling away. But what turns me around is knowing that I see this theme throughout Scripture. Again, just as the world thought they had killed Jesus and it was over. A Sunday was coming, 
and the resurrection was coming and things were going to be turned over. You know, Joseph, when they threw him in the pit and they thought, you know, he's done and he gets sold into slavery and all that. But then eventually it was turned over and and all of a sudden, Joseph, like Mordecai, he's the second most powerful person in the world. And he is being used to bring uh, salvation, physical salvation, to the world. I mean, it's, it's just, it's astounding. So what does God want to do through us? I have no idea. I don't need to figure it out. But what I do need to know is that there are real schemes going on. It's real. There, there are real schemes going on in your life right now. And God is saying, lean into me more. Lean into me more. Don't give up because I want to do something big. And, and you know, these, it's all mysterious and we can't figure it out. But somehow God uses the darkness. Somehow God wants to use the people that are coming after you and He wants to turn that on its head and and bring about something good. God wants to use the places where you have failed to bring about a powerful ministry. I was listening to a podcast this week and it it was a ministry that uh, ministers to those in the industry of taking the life of the pre-born. And it was talking about how 25% of the leaders in that ministry, they've taken the life of the preborn themselves. But now they're so motivated because they know what they had to walk through and they know how the enemy's using it. And now they want to bring rescue to other people. They want to rescue people. And so rather than turning and, and hiding and saying, you know, God can't you know, use me or something like that. Instead, they're stepping up and they're saying, okay, God, take this testimony and use it. And maybe the first step is writing it down like Daniel's inviting you to do. But it goes beyond that. God wants to, God wants to take those places and he wants to redeem them and use them for good. But here's what it takes. It takes you trusting Him. It takes you not hiding and, and you know, just keeping it stuffed down. That, that's the place the enemy works. It takes you saying, okay, God, how do you want to use this? And then moving forward. The power of redemption, it's powerful, but it requires you saying yes. If you don't say yes, God's not going to use you. He's going to find a different vessel. But if you say yes, what can happen We'll only know at the end. Lord, thank you that you choose to use us. Thank you, Lord.